0: Welcome everyone to the Livestock Podcast. I'm your host Curtis Reed. This is a major episode for us as it is season 1 episode 1, something that we've been putting a lot of work in behind the scenes with my producer Jordan Huckle and myself. Again, just that crazy idea that you can't shake and sometimes those type of ideas lead to some opportunity and I think this will be a great Avenue for young people and friends alike to hear from, you know, who I feel are some industry leaders and great mentors to many people around them and to continue with our path of growth and development because if we're not helping one another, we're all not going to get better together. Again, <clears throat> this is episode one of season one. Our current plan going forward is to try and publish a minimum of 10 episodes in this format leading up to aggravation time late November and then through December and January we'll most likely take a slight hiatus as we're doing lots of family events, getting cows sorted. We start calving uh, the first week of January so once that gets going and you get over the hump then I can start recording a few more again. So our plan is to continue dropping uh, new episodes that you'll find on any of your podcast networks, your preferred one, whether that's iTunes or Spotify. And we will be publishing the third Monday of every month. And then if we have bonus episodes, we will publish them the last Friday of every month. And that way, the two maybe get dropped a little closer together within the month, but they'll be there in catalog for you to listen again when you're driving up and down the road or doing chores or just needing a little background noise. Feel free to follow us, like us, and uh, you know send your comments or, or uh, direct messages to us on all the social media channels. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You can find us at Pod. That's L-I-F-E-S-T-O-C-K-P-O-D. So now that the formalities and asking you all to come and follow us online, we're going to get into our first little segment here sponsored by the Cliffs Farm. And if that sounds a little corny, that's because that's the name of my family's operation. We don't currently have any sponsors. This is just episode number one. So again, a nice little lead in where I'm sucking you in that if you want to be a part of this project, feel free to contact us. Send us a, a DM on the social media networks and we'd be happy to discuss Uh, your involvement with our podcast, whether you want to sponsor, if you want to cut in a sale advertisement sometime in a later episode, we're really open to everything. But this segment that is sponsored by the Cliffs Farm is called Goin' Showin'. The junior livestock show circuit was extremely important to me growing up. It's how I branched out, built confidence, had the opportunity to really travel within Canada, take in a lot of the scenery and meet people from across our fantastic country and especially within an extremely strong livestock business. So what we do in Go and showing is just bring to the forefront some shows that have either contacted me or I've seen that they're hosting events and have some dates. So the Calgary to start off with And one that I'm really happy to see back after a crazy old 2020 and now we're into 2021 and things are just looking up. So the Calgary Stampede Junior Steer Classic currently is scheduled for July 9th to the 18th. They're working on a finalized date and venue. Entries are open online now. So please Google that, head to Calgary Stampede uh, website and you can sign up. Our next show is the Alberta Young Canadian Semitol Association show. It is on July 29th through August 1st at Stettler, Alberta. And our final show of the Go and Showing segment, sponsored by the Cliffs Farm, is the Junior Stockman Show, September 25th in Swift Current, Saskatchewan. So with me today for our first interview on the Livestock Podcast are two people, widely known, in the business for not only being fantastic breeders but also being great people world-renowned angus breeders they're friends and mentors to countless people and i feel extremely privileged that i have asked them a lot of questions maybe they had thoughts in the back of their mind when they first met me who the heck is this guy with all these dang questions but that was something that You know, I'm extremely grateful for asking those questions, following along, taking little bits of advice in uh, conversation and and just bouncing some ideas back and forth. So I'm just truly honored to welcome Lee and Don Wilson of Miller, Wilson, Angus. So thank you very much for coming on. Yeah.
1: Hey, Curtis, thanks for having us. We're looking forward to... Being part of this and especially being your inaugural event, we're uh, we're honored to be here.
0: Yeah, thanks a bunch. Thanks a bunch. I, You're jumping on. You're in the process of getting into the summertime swing and probably starting to judge a whole heck of a lot of shows coming up.
2: Yeah, we've been doing some virtual shows along the way, which is uh, uh, different for us, obviously. But uh, we're excited to get back to the real live shows, that's for sure.
0: Yes, I think we all are, and that'll be the best part when we can get together and enjoy those events. So, just uh, as I had said, I in my, what, just go ahead
1: to stop you if you want to challenge yourself. Judge a virtual show when you have no idea on size, <laughs> um, breed. Lots of times you got a pretty good idea, but not like standing right in front of you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, maybe I'm. I shouldn't be cutting in on you. I didn't, didn't mean to interrupt, but. Virtual shows, I guess, are better than nothing, <laughs> slightly, yep. but we are looking forward to getting together and having a real one.
0: Yes, they are difficult just because the that feel of looking at livestock and how those thoughts flow into your brain and you're putting the process of placing everything together and how you're going to reason this class out. I find in the judging the virtual events i almost revert back to our livestock judging practices on wednesday evenings when we used to do rapid picture classes and and uh, you know work on different aspects of of giving our reasons and critique and such and you know it's one of those things where i'm like gosh college is just turning into a long time ago uh, <laughs> type of feeling
2: well the pro- the problem is that really judging is about comparison And it's really hard to compare by a picture. You can certainly compare some things, but you can't compare size. You can't really compare thickness. You can't compare a lot of things that you can compare in real life.
0: Yeah, One of those things where we're doing our best to get through the situation currently handed to us. And the light is starting to shine at the end of the tunnel.
2: Yeah, it was, it was still good. It was still a, a way to keep cattle uh, in the forefront mm-hmm. to some degree. And and I think it was a, a best case scenario for a poor situation.
0: Yeah. Well, that's good. And you know, hopefully there's some people on here that are are really eager to listen and maybe are, like myself, not necessarily have grown up within the Angus breed that don't know the true origins of the miller wilson program just in terms of how you guys started out if y'all met because of the breed wise like you know just kind of back to square one and going forward and how many times you know maybe don had to tell lee to just put it on the back burner or you know any good funny (laughs) stories out of
1: that who knows Oh, it's kind of funny. We're we each sitting here pointing at each other, but <laughs> uh, we, I was raised in the cattle business. My grandfather would have come from Ontario in the early 1900s, and he w- and moved to Killam. He would have taken Shorthorn bulls to Calgary Stampede in the 1920s, or to Calgary Bull Sale rather. Um, on the train, I believe he would have ran them fifteen, sixteen miles up to Viking, to where they would have been loaded and gone to the Calgary Bull Sale. And then we switched into Hereford. Um, I guess I would have bought my first family's Angus in 1979 or 1980. And, And they were nice Angus cows, but in that time they weren't near tall enough or near big enough or whatever we thought they needed to be. But this redhead lady up the road, she had some pretty nice ones. So I guess long story short, I ended up here with my cows. We ended up putting embryos in anything I ever brought here. When we got together and we bought Don's family farm, who'd had Angus from the early '70s, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you want to take over here.
2: Well, yeah. Um, I, unlike uh, Lee, was not born and raised on a farm. I uh, was in—I uh, was born in Edmonton from a family of six kids. My mom and dad uh, raised us until I was 11 years old in the city, and uh, I think that they thought the kids were a little bit wild and probably needed to get out somewhere that wasn't in the city. (laughs) So (laughs) we came to uh, my dad's hometown, which is Basha. Um, He had always had a love for farming and cattle all of his life, even though he wasn't raised on a farm either. Uh, But he used to bike outside of town to uh, an uncle of his and and go to the farm and, and just loved it. So he Actually, mom and dad owned a few cattle before we ever came to the farm. Um Nothing really of significance. But anyway, we ended up on the farm and it's been a, a glorious ride ever since. And yes, Lee and I did meet because of cattle. Um Against my better judgment and, and 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 with some good judgment, at the end of the yeah. day, I, I swore I would never date a cattle person because that was the business I was in, and I wasn't going to date someone in the cattle business. But here we are. <laughs> here we That's are. That's a good
0: story. yeah I, I can actually relate to that very much, Don. The first farm that I have ever truly lived on and picked up my mail is where I'm currently sitting. That I purchased with my wife. I was raised in town also my whole life
2: really yep i did not know that that's neat
0: yeah just goes to show that when it's in the blood and you build a passion for it you you can go a bunch of different places but it always kind of brings you back home you sure can
2: yeah you sure can
0: so with moving to don's family's place and then you started building up your herd and breeding and putting embryos and bleeds cows by the sounds of things. And, <laughs> you know, and then now you've started, you know, you have your own family and now you have grandkids. If you just want to introduce your kids quick, because like I said before, I don't want you getting any hate mail from your kids. If we don't give some of their businesses a little shout out here, because we don't always answer them There's now, social so media power. Come on. <laughs>
2: So true. <laughs> <laughs> I watched we, some of
0: those back and forth that uh, you know in fun and jest and I'm like oh my god if the girls wanted to really rip someone they could rip someone
2: <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we giggled at the the notion that you said you don't want to get any hate mail from them and yeah it's probably true <laughs> probably true anyway our uh we have three kids our our son is the oldest. Ty um, has a fiance Ariel, and they have two kids, two little boys that uh, that are wild and fun and and full of life and love cattle and love the farm and everything about farming. Mm-hmm. Um, our middle child is uh, our daughter Dakota, and she's married to Bobby, and they've got three boys um, that are as well, just uh, light up our life. You know, we we. Can't imagine life without our grandkids. So they're, they're Bo, uh, Bobby and Dakota Hunker, and their kids are Nash and Jameson and Maverick. And they as well love the farm, live the farm, breathe the farm. They tell us all the time where they're going to put their house and how many horses <laughs> they're going to have. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> awesome. It is awesome. And then our youngest is uh, Jelaine, and she's married to Lauren. And they've got uh, a boy and a girl. And um, our only girl, so we've got six grandsons and a granddaughter, and that's um, and they they as well love the farm. They are out most days helping us. We thank the Lord because they are the best help and, and live and breathe the farm, and they've all got their own businesses as well. So we're pretty darn lucky, I know that. And I, I guess I didn't mention Jelaine and Lauren's kids are Colt and Jensen. And uh, did we mention names and Arrow's names? Nope didn't mention their names either sorry ty and ariel's kids are ames and arrow so, Oh, yeah they fantastic. all love the farm yeah love the farm love the cattle they're uh, five years old and under all seven of them they can all tell you when an animal's in heat and <laughs> <lots> of... <laughs>
0: they're going they're going to be the kids at uh at school that the sometimes the teacher is going to look at and be like, what did they just say? Did I, did they just say what yeah, I think they We got
1: to teach them to read first and be able to write down numbers. And then we'll have our heat checkers. And <laughs> you'll have your heat checkers. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh man. That's, you know, to me raising your family in this business, in this lifestyle, you know, being raised in, in town, but we were at my grandfather's farm or, the places where we kept our Herefords every weekend. And, you know, that's something that just brought us closer together and and a tight-knit group. And, you know, whenever we're visiting at shows, you have your family with you at the show enjoying those moments together. And, you know, that's something that I hope my kids want to do as we get older and just keep having fun with it
2: yeah that's for sure chris we uh man, we feel the same way our our best help and only help really has has usually been our family, not just our immediate family but nieces and uh, nephews and yeah we've we've been really fortunate. I guess we're fortunate that our our parents procreated as much as they did.
1: <laughs> uh, well, we are lucky. the kids are a good help. We've had other very good people too along the way mm-hmm. um, I'm thinking of Rachel for one she's been amazing. I think uh, our kids were just kind of always here, ready to pitch in when they needed to drop whatever they're doing, and it's we're we're lucky yeah. to have that. Oh, that
0: is awesome. So as you're building your family, and you know you're developing the cattle herd, and you're pushing forward, where was are there some certain moments that stick out where you had thought to yourself like, are we just you know that crazy for trying to stick this out or was there a moment where you felt like you just tripped and fell over it and you were like holy crap that makes sense now you know looking back on as you're coming through and you know i those are things that captivate my mind quite a bit as we're trying to build and develop and you watch your farm brand and how you can extend out to market cattle and you know that's something that from the outside watching your program that I try to emulate about being welcoming, wanting people to come visit the farm, having the information readily available to pass along when someone wants it. So when you started out, what, what were some of those steps to build to that point?
2: Well, I, I'm going to take a step back from all that for a minute and just tell you a little story because when, uh, like, like I said, Lee and my uh, beginnings were, were different for sure. And so when we came to the farm, um, being city kids um, and with no clue about cattle, no clue. Um, so, you know, we started in the, the things that most people start in 4-H and um, et cetera, et cetera. Well, we went and bought steers with no real idea of what they should be or should look like. And we renovated an old barn here, not very many years ago. And of course that was in, uh, would be 72, 73. When We went into 4 H, found our stall cards and our steers at the end weight weighed 800 and 830 mm-hmm. pounds and 840 pounds, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that was the end weight. Mm-hmm. You got to remember, <laughs> so you can just well imagine what those steers looked like yeah. you know, um, just no idea how to feed, no idea what we were doing. The steers weren't good enough, nothing was good enough, and um, but but. But in saying that, you know, you you learn if someone will, if someone would help you along the way, there's a quicker step to that. Mm -hmm. Think that people like yourself uh, who go about and help the kids when you sell them an animal and you're 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 helping them along the way, and and we see that a lot in our industry where where people are advising them how to feed, how to look after their cattle, how to clip them, they're showing them how to show them. All those things are so they're so beneficial to our industry because it it helps those kids along a little bit quicker
0: yeah I, I couldn't agree more with that and one of the biggest privileges I think there is in selling some cattle is when you start someone from new because I'm like you when we first started out it was not pretty and you look back on those moments and I feel very fortunate to be born with a maybe crazy high competitive ticker. So when I look <laughs> back, when I look back on those moments, you just you knew back then how much you wanted to get better and when you find those kids now that want to get better, it just makes it more fun.
2: Yeah, and the very first purebred show we went to wasn't very many years into being on the farm, probably 3 Mm-hmm. So, again, you know how much knowledge we had. And the very first purebred show we decided to go to was Agribition.
0: <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Jump oh, in. How'd you do,
2: Don? let in. Let's, let's see. So, you know, if you're going to go, I, we, I've got that little bit of a competitive tick myself. and uh, But stupidity sometimes reigns a little more supreme.
0: <laughs> inexperience. You to chalk that one up to inexperience. Okay, sure.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so we
2: uh, we went and I don't know what we took there's was probably five head, and we were dead last in every class and well deserved to be there. Um, and at that time there was actually there there wasn't any splits in classes, so the classes mm-hmm. were a little bit bigger. you know, I don't know what they were 15 20 head in the class and we were you know dead last and dead last and dead last. You know, I sat on the bottom of those classes because I did the showing for our family, and and I looked up that line and thought, boy, our cattle aren't very good, and they're not fed very well, and I don't oh. like being here. Yeah. <laughs> not that I didn't like being at the show, I just didn't like being at the bottom of the class, and I don't mind being there. I just don't mind. I I don't like being that out of place. Yep. And so when I looked and I thought, okay, we we have so much work to do. We have a you know our. You know, even at that young age, realizing that the cattle just weren't good enough, mm-hmm. and they weren't fed enough, and all those things. So, you know, um, I I think that people that are going to advance need to understand that that sometimes there's a lot better cattle in the, the in in the place than your own, as as there was on that day for us. You know, we didn't go to agribusiness for a year or two after that because we, you know, our cattle certainly didn't belong there.
0: So, who did you start? watching in that moment in that realization where the competitiveness kicks in and you say i don't want to be down here who did you start watching and learning was there a certain person that you started quizzing
2: well there was um family friends of ours that lived in basha at the time named molson's that were certainly an influence to us um craig Fluelling was a big influence he actually helped us the very first time we had any success at agribition, he took uh, a bull that uh, that we had and a, a female that I actually owned with my parents, and um, yeah, we ended up having, you know, junior champion bull and, and senior champion female, and it was huge for us, absolutely huge for us, but knew how to fit cattle, he knew how to get them ready, and boy, he thought, he taught us a lot, you know, in, in the, those early years. Um, and I, I give him a lot of credit, but I, I give a lot of people credit. There was so many people that we looked at and that I personally looked up to and looked at and thought someday I'd sure like to be as good as them.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I, oh, there was lots of people them. that have come, come and gone. Yeah. Oh, like so many, so many that I can, I, you know, it's hard to mention them all, but uh, you know, I think of the Perry's back in the day and, you know, lots and lots of people that, that we just, you know,
0: thought a lot of Mm -hmm. so as your family is starting to develop the herd and you're trying to take those steps in to achieve those division championships was there a certain genetic line that interested you were you AIing then had you started to flush cows like how were you going about you know a more rapid genetic advancement in say three to five years at that time
2: well, my dad um, and mom had, you know, were very interested in cattle. And as I said, my dad in particular had a had a, a love and a a real love for cattle, and especially Angus cattle, um, which weren't popular, obviously, back in the day. Um, and then, so when we moved to the farm, he had, had his eye on a on a place called Wandering Creek Ranch, and they lived just a few miles down from us. His name was Wilfred Schultz, an old bachelor, never ever married. But uh around the Basha area was a real hub for Angus cattle and some really famous Angus cattle and as I said, they weren't certainly words as popular you know for a lot of years as they are now, but you know, Dad had a real notion um, that if you got the females right, you would get everything else would come, mm-hmm. and so he had his eye on a cow at Wilfred Schultz's that he wanted to buy and Wilfred would not sell him that cow. And so the day that she dropped a bull calf on the ground, he bought that calf for $5,000. And that was in 1974. And and the bull's name was Wandering Creek Dynasty, J-R-M-2-F. And that bull was the first one that really made a huge impact on our herd and did for many, many years. Um, and he—he's a bull that actually impacted the whole breed, both in the states and in and in Canada. Mm-hmm. And I—I—I I, I think we figured out here not long ago what that bull would have been for money-wise if you converted it, and it was something like thirty-five thousand or something if you were to compare money from that day to now.
0: I was gonna say five thousand um, is a lot of money.
2: In it time. was huge. It was absolutely huge money, and it was the day that calf was born. Dad bottom. And of course, couldn't take possession until he was weaned in the fall. But that's a pretty big step for people that didn't have very good cattle.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I'm not sure I'd have the brass ones to lay out $30,000 on a wet bull calf yet.
2: Yeah. 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 So it's a, it's a pretty neat story. He became a pathfinder bull in the States, which, um, you know, is, is a pretty big deal. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's, that's really neat. And then, you know, that bull probably blew open a crash course in livestock marketing and genetics and a bunch of different things all in it. He would have been a, a a lifetime learning experience wrapped into just one bull.
2: Truly was. And, and you know, my dad was a real pedigree watcher, et cetera, et cetera. But the funny thing is, I mean, that bull was born in 1974 and, um, Our daughters revamped our website and put in an online store here not long ago. And and the first thing to sell off that website on the online store was Wandering Creek Dynasty JRM 2F SEMA. (laughs) Really? That's awesome. Uh, How neat is that, eh?
0: That is neat. and Someone was purchasing ampules for flushing?
2: Yep. Yep. Just for breeding, actually.
0: Okay. So, yeah,
2: that's good. good. Those good genetics can live on, you know, and and uh, you know, I I, I guess a lot of things were lucky for us that we ended up in the Bash area with uh, with so many great breeders in in the breed that we were in.
0: Yeah. So within the breed itself, and you're talking about you know all the different breeders around you, and you know we all push one another as breeders. We want to be great. You know, a, a lot of people that are raising purebred cattle aren't doing it because they just like the extra work. They want the, the task of raising that next one or improving themselves from what their current baseline is to build up, you know, something that much higher. Like when you look at how you set about some of those goals, you had your family's operation, you have the wandering Creek bowl and you're selling the semen is there anything that comes clear to you about some steps that you took going forward from there? Whether it was partnerships or the reinvestment on more cattle, or how you decided to then market the next generation after that bull, or or what he was producing.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the continuum that you need to that you need to be on because if if you stop looking for the next one that can improve your herd, it, it's hard to move forward, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, you know, we had so many breeders in this area. We had Rikes, Greenvale, Angus that were down the road that uh, to this day, they're, they're, I don't know, third third generation, fourth generation coming up on their place. Same thing, Curtis. And um, I mean, they had have, have a huge history in the breed. So, you know, that there are other people that we look, look to, to to emulate and, and look through their herd and use some genetics of and, yeah, I mean it's it's a constant moving forward, and if you're not, like I said, it's it's tough to keep up with the times. Because I'll tell you what, there's some tremendously good cattlemen mm-hmm. that are gonna run by you awfully quick oh, yeah. if if you don't keep. <laughs> and and I mean that that we we keep learning from them as well, right? You know, we're we're lucky we're lucky to have as many really good cattlemen and good cattle in in all the breeds that we see it, because it, it makes our industry strong.
0: I'm going to throw a question at you off the hip that I just thought of, not in any of the show notes that we've you know, sent and reviewed a little bit, but in your words, how would you describe managing that momentum that a program builds? When you talk about always looking for the next one, to me, I just feel like that's momentum. One bull is leading in you into a group of daughters, which leads you to chase down another bull to then improve that and again and again and again so for you in your outfit how would you describe managing your momentum
2: i I, we are always looking i guess more even for for the next female that we want to to try to build off of Mm -hmm. and i guess we've kind of maintained that that thought that if you if you build the cow herd right the bulls will come yeah um you know So so we've we're kinda always really, really focused on the maternal end of things.
1: That's a bit of a tough question to answer, Curtis. It is. Um but that's the weird
0: stuff I think
2: about. Ninety
1: nine (laughs) percent of the time the momentum that may be building, you don't even know it is. Right. That's true. You know, you you might stand at your stall and you're getting good traffic at a show or wherever you happen to be. You know, you, you we all hope that helps down the road. It may not transmit into dollars today or ever. But that guy's going home and telling his neighbor, oh, he liked something here, like something there. So to come out of any show, or to answer your momentum question, saying that it was good or bad for this or that, we, I don't think you ever know that. Mm-hmm. You know, same as when we try to sell our cattle here out of, out of the yard, you know, of course we want them to be suited the best one we can get them for the, the, within his price range. But it, we're looking at or at least I'm always trying to think 10 years down the road and sell him his 20th one Mm -hmm. that's still going to help him and take him forward as opposed to just his first one and put him on the back burner. Right. So to me, that's the momentum that I I see that I like to transmit into our customers. But as far as your show momentum, I don't know that we ever even knew what we had, if we ever did. You know, we, we can sell embryos all over the world and we're getting... Success, good success stories coming back, and you know, I guess you would consider that a momentum builder. To what I don't know. It's just what we do. So it's you keep customers happy, you keep giving them success stories to tell us, and the rest just works itself out. Yeah, and
0: then you also do a good job in sharing those stories.
1: Well, we, it's easier now. Yeah. Like Don and I are not computer people, as you have gathered well <laughs> oh, we're doing great
0: come on sound quality is excellent we're on time we're, we're
1: rocking well uh, just for everyone out there listening we're sitting in our truck that's longer <laughs> we can figure out how to run our phones and both talk at once and it's working so we're yeah. doing truck karaoke yeah, yeah exactly well, it's, it's working good it's like a yeah, date night kind of, just in the pickup yeah like we don and i we like the outside stuff around the cows and i guess if we, we're missing that techno person on the farm to take us forward The Facebooks of the world have been great because they're simple, they're easy to run, they're quick. And whether you see it or not, it doesn't matter. It's still out there somewhere. Someone's looking at it. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And it's cheap and quick to do.
0: Yes. I agree with that. That kind of leads me in to, you know, just to jump to another quick little part there of, you know, I had highlighted every day is sale day. When I read that on your last print ad, I just was like, that is the simplest phrase that just carries weight to it. Every day is sale day. Every day matters to us with with the cattle, right? That's how I kind of took it.
1: That's true. And I, that's been a line that's been used, I'm sure, lots. And whether I'm going to take credit for it. No. Yeah. Whether Don's family had it or what. But I would love to have the idea of a sale. But I also would hate when people are driving out of the yard and I didn't get selling a are going back to Mexico. Right. (laughs) You know, because I got to wait for a sale and it's not like we have a huge amount of cattle to sell either. So. Mm
0: -hmm. So what did you ever do sale like consignment sales or online sales? Did you start in any of those before you went to strict private treaty?
1: Oh yeah. Don, Don's family had a couple of production sales here with three or four other partners and, and they were good. I should let her answer this. but um, Lots of Calgary bulls sell bulls, Lloyd bulls back in the day. Um, it was kind of what everyone did, right? Yeah. And, you know, you saved your your good bulls to go to Calgary.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That was just the way it was back then. And it's kind of sad that those days are gone, but I think it's probably better now that the way it is.
0: Yeah. So, Don, what were those me. production sales called? Did they Were they named or was it just a a breed, like a list of breeder names.
2: Yeah, it was Miller Angus and Guest's production sale. So we would, we we brought in people who had used uh, any genetics from us, whether it be by semen or bought a cow or a heifer or a bull or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of open to any of those people to to come.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, And yeah, they were awesome. I mean, again, no, no dollars like you would see anywhere near today. Um, and then we we did sell in some consignment sales there was the cross country the cross Canada sale that that actually in their day were were high dollar sales you know we sold a $15,000 cow and that was a lot of years ago and boy we were over the moon the $12,500 cow and we just we'd never seen anything like it couldn't imagine we could get there you know Mm -hmm.
1: that'd be late 70s early 90s early 80s
2: 80s probably but yeah so I also remember, though, the first time we got $5,000 for a heifer calf, we, we just couldn't imagine that you could get that kind of money out of a, a heifer calf, yep. you know, mm-hmm. and, and now you see some sales that, uh, you know, that are just over the moon dollars that you can't imagine, right? So it, it'll be interesting to see where it all goes at the end of the day. Um, there's, there's really some neat ideas of how people market cattle now their sales have been phenomenal. People are really, you know, looking after their customers are certainly trying to in lots of them. And, and uh, yeah, there's lots of different ways to market now and, and, and they're all good. Yep. It's yeah, they're all really, really good. And, you know, consignment sales are wonderful. They're, you know, production sales are wonderful. We just uh, like to do a private treaty thing because um, as it says, every day is sale day. So when someone comes here, they don't have to wait till whatever date to to purchase. And, you know, maybe sometimes you're leaving some dollars on the table, maybe some, you know, maybe not, but it's a nice way to do it for us. Mm -hmm. I I like that. Yeah. You get to know each of those people um, really individually. You get to spend a little more time with them and I'm not saying the other way is a bad way. It's not, it's a great way, but this, this way works for us. Yeah.
0: So from a behind the scenes standpoint, when you're selling, live cattle, embryos, semen, everything privately, doing lots of marketing on Facebook and off of your website and having that online portal on the website to buy. With, with those things behind the scene, like how much extra goes into that? Are you helping arrange all of the export paperwork? Are you exporting lots of cattle like live cattle to the US or other countries or mainly genetics?
2: We used to do a lot, um, well, we had a flush station here uh, for many years that we, you know, flushed for other people and ourselves. And so we did a lot of that paperwork, et cetera, et cetera. But we we don't do so much of that anymore. Uh, There's people that are really good at their jobs that do that. They can be much quicker and much more efficient than us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) And we are so thankful for them. But uh, you know we've we've had we've worked with exporters over the years. Uh, Bob Prestage, uh, just a, a wonderful man who has exported many breeds, many, many 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 cattle. As honest a man as you can find, he had a lot of influence for us in in the early years. Um, we you know sent cattle live cattle to Japan, Scotland, England, uh, Ireland, states, lots of lots of places, Mexico. Yeah, and then there's Roger Peters now. Um, you know there's lots and lots of people that are just really good uh, a heavy influence in the export market we export a lot of our own genetics as well but we also are very thankful for anyone you know that that's in the industry that is in the export business that uh, that works hard at it
0: mm-hmm. oh that's interesting that was mm-hmm. yeah I guess a personal question because I've I have noticed that the embryos that are going overseas or where winners of of your genetics are coming from and the pictures that get shared over social media and i wasn't sure if that's something where customers are buying those sitting in canada and they handle all the export stuff or you know how much of the back and forth yeah
1: they would they would buy them private here and um right now we're working with dri adam sharman and bow valley as well but they they the transport on those so that part's easy yeah, we'll piggyback on a shipment, and, but most of the, the actual selling would be done here in the yard or by phone, right? Yeah. And It's uh, it's it's worked. Uh, this the COVID has has definitely put a shackle on the fact that we've had no foreigners in in the yard. hmm You know, if we can get them in the yard, you know, we have a pretty good chance that we'll be able to help them. Somehow genetically,
0: yep.
1: We think, and without having them in the yard, we're just another website in a giant pile of websites that they can look through and and get. you, You can get lost in that sort of thing unless you have something to make yourself stand out. You know, I guess getting back to that, you said the pictures in other countries that are winning, and I think that's part of the key too is to find the people that. Can take you forward in another country the people that are good at what they do in that and on their end too oh yeah you know th- those same embryos in someone else's hands wouldn't probably succeed like they did for sometimes people, it's right?
0: not how much you sell them for it's who you sell them to at the same time that's that's a, a lot of it that's a, a lot big of it time effect on your program on your image when they have those cattle
1: yeah and we've been lucky on that instance lots of times just to have have them in very good stockman's hands mm-hmm. that's
2: a good statement curtis that you just said i can't very good statement.
0: i i stole that also from someone like lee, <laughs> like lee said about everyday show day but i can't remember who, who i heard that from just maybe in all the yeah. podcast world that i listen to or or whatever it's just i i think about that quite often as we've started to you know, try and sell more, try to be more relevant in our own decisions and to, you know, make those advancements that we want to. But you always have to remember about where you came from and where, you know, that empathy factor when people are coming to buy something. I do want to circle back real quick, just on the comment when you're bringing people in. As a, as a traveling salesperson, like a feed rep that I am, I feel so fortunate. I get to go to so many different yards and look at so many people's cows and different cows and this and that. And I've just come to the conclusion that people don't travel as much anymore. And I think that's a bad thing for all breeds.
2: I couldn't agree more. Curtis. could not agree more because it's kind of like the difference between a virtual show and a real show in the show ring. You can look at those pictures all you want um, but you really don't get the real, real look at them until you see them in person. And, and, uh, yeah, I, and, and to even to understand what, what, what they want as, as a potential customer, you know, what kind of cattle they're trying to raise. You know, we had a customer a lot of years ago, um, and we learned a good lesson from it. He was from Denmark and not, you know, he, we, we thought we understood their market and we probably didn't understand it as well as we should have. Right. And so, you know, once we understood their market, we we wouldn't have sent him the embryos that we sent him originally. Now, thank goodness, he you know did become a long term customer. But you you really you know we we can't force what we like in cattle on somebody else. Mm-hmm. We we can we can give them our you know the best of what we've got that leans towards what they need. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. So if, if they want the, the, the biggest cattle in the world, you better go after the biggest cattle in the world for them. And if they want the most moderate cattle, then you better you know provide the moderate cattle because they're not going to be happy if it doesn't match what they want or what they want for their market. Yep. And and everyone's market isn't the same.
0: Yeah, I, I agree 100% with that. I also
1: And you know, what? to expand on that a little bit, we've been asked to judge in some of those countries where the cattle are different than we would probably prefer. And decline it just because it's not—they're not going to be happy. We're not going to be happy, right? And if if you start trying to guess what they think they they want, we're not the people to be doing it. Mm
0: -hmm. You put yourself and those breeders in a very awkward position when you.
1: Yeah, it's not good for anybody.
0: No, it's not. It's tough. That'd be a tough look. Well,
2: and in saying that, I think sometimes they want a, a different outlook too. You have to be cognizant of that. Sometimes yeah. they're trying to change what's happening in their country too, and so yeah, yeah, you have to be cognizant of uh, of all of it. Right. And, and and you have to be appreciative of different environments wanting different, or and different markets wanting different animals than what we ideally like. But I think that the one thing that that is true, whether you want them, you know, big or small or medium or whatever, structure can always play into it. So mm-hmm. you can always You know, you can always hang your head on structure. Right.
0: So, when we talk about the show ring and the commercial cattle business, and we think about the show ring to the pasture, like this is something that we have talked about sitting at the stall before, where we like to show what we raise. We're not necessarily raising something to show it. What is your perception of that statement and the type of cattle are you being more influenced by customers or are you keeping your own vision and you know rolling with it to find that next genetic opportunity you know when you talk about looking for the next female
2: well I think you have to be cognizant of it all I, I think that you know we're always pretty true to ourselves, but you also have to understand. I think that that in, you know the industry changes, and if you think it won't, you know you're crazy because it, it is ever changing. Even though we think we got you know the right type today, um, and we all think that way, we it will change. It always changes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So you know it, to to be to be relevant and to to stay you know In the game, you have to understand when things change. You need to move a little bit towards that. You don't have to be as wild as maybe you know the 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 outliers. The what? The whole eighties. The whole (laughs) eighties. But but you know you 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 need to move a little bit towards wherever the industry is going. Right. And and still try to stay true to your type Um, because. I mean, at the end of the day, your customers need to make money, and you need to make money.
1: I think shoring and the and the the real world cattle are, are the same cattle. Though. Yep. Today, I really do. I, you know, we, we when we pick our the ones we go to town, and I'm not saying we always get that right either. But, you know, they're the, they're the best cows in the pasture, and that's why that we like them.
0: Right.
1: You know, and you know, I'm back referring back to the '80s again. There was there was a reason why they did that. Was to get those little belt buckle cows up because they swung the pendulum, of course, too far up both times. Yep, picking on but, extremes. But, yeah, they needed. Yeah, they needed to bring them cattle back up, and it definitely did that. Yeah, but so. our feeding world, the commercial world, and our the show cattle that are winning now, I think, are the same cattle. I really do, and especially in Canada because these cattle don't live in show barns. They're out. They're in pasture with the rest of them. Mm-hmm. Like
0: it's well, not
2: everyone. Like for me, for me, for me to
0: look on your website for you know free plug miller if we're looking at the website and you scroll through the donor section like i'm not and i don't mean this in any bad way but i don't look at any one of those donors and think to myself you specifically bred that one to be a show cow you bred that one to show her
2: yeah no we we don't do that we we breed for the we breed to build the cow herd always and we love to show. So that's what we show.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think that's why yeah. we're good friends. Cause I am a hundred percent on that same brainwave.
1: I think most people are, I yeah. really do. Yeah. You know, and that's the joys of Canadian cattle. Why Canadian cattle work so good around the world is because they are honest, good, true cattle. Well, mm-hmm. they're big enough
2: to go to the big countries and uh, they'll survive in any climate coming out of Canada. Yep. Well, the, the one thing we've certainly found though in traveling the world is there is good cattle all over the world you know, Definitely. in definitely. every country. You know, we we've found genetics we could certainly use. We, you know, you, you need to, or, or we sure find that if you open your eyes, it, it's amazing what you'll see.
0: Yeah. How many countries have, you know, combined, I understand you can't travel together all the time, but how many countries have y'all been to in touring cattle, supporting the industry there, looking at your genetics? You know, we could break this into how many do you sell genetics to, Baba? I'm just looking for more of that overarching big picture because I think it's kind of neat. I don't
2: know how many know countries we've continent. been to, but we've been on every continent. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. um mm-hmm. But I don't know. I I've never know. counted
1: that. That's
2: yeah. good question. We 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 try to get to all countries that we sell to. We don't always, but um, I'll I'll tell you, it's it's a big eye opener sometimes because you go into a country expecting one type of cattle, and sometimes you're getting a a wonderful surprise. The cattle are like we went to South Africa to judge a show not that many years ago, and man, those cattle were good, and we just weren't expecting that.
1: A very good cattle in South Africa. Um, they have a tough time exporting out of there, but there's there's cattle that would work anywhere in the world in South Africa. Well, Czech Republic, we were there the same year and you know, they're they're, they're a stouter made animal, I think, but where where they're drawn from, Europe and the UK, that's what they're selecting for. So
0: Yeah, right. The overall muscle, that extra shape. Yeah, big yeah. heavy muscle Rump. cattle and mm-hmm.
2: yep. Well, and and a lot bigger frame cattle than, than a lot of the world is looking for, but there, you know, they're, there's also people in those countries that are trying for a different type too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can find good cattle anywhere in the world. That's for sure. You no, know,
1: our breed, specifically, Black Angus, Red Angus. You know, we're very fortunate because that that is accepted worldwide. Mm-hmm. Where you get into lots of the continental breeds, that there's no such thing as a semi. Purebred semitol outside of Europe, they're they're they right. don't even acknowledge them as being purebreds, right? Um, Limousine, they get every other breed, Herefords to some extent are the same as an Angus, is that pedigree holds true all over the world.
0: Right.
1: So I think I think our British breeds are. It's easier lots of times to suit lots of different markets just pedigree wise, mm-hmm. where your herd book at least recognizes you. Yeah. yeah oh yeah that's right yeah.
2: so many yeah, countries that, have all those yeah.
0: different rules yeah.
2: yeah well yeah i i think um that yeah what he's saying is that, that like a straight black or a straight red simi you can't go into europe with right now right, right. Well, yeah, right? They, cause they only recognize a full blood yeah Mexico
1: door up until the last year too right in mexico too yeah
2: and it, well even the uk so they started to they have imported i think a few of these Straight, like black limousines and yeah, stuff
1: like that, time. but They're every difficult. every
2: movement takes time.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, back to your question, how many countries? I have no idea. We've, we've exported into probably thirty. Um, we'd go to more if a lot of these countries don't have shows. Yep. You know, like the show is pretty new in a lot of the world, and for us, like that, and on both both sides, when people come here, they come at a show, time for a show, and that right. seems to be when they gather agribition farm fairs you know brandon toronto um so people that don't show they need to acknowledge the fact that those shows are drawing people to their their area Yep. all the time and they're taking cattle home lots of times maybe not from them this year but doesn't mean they won't drive in your yard next time they're here next time exactly and it's because of the show and that's the drawing card
0: Mm -hmm. so with one of the and i've asked you about it before but you know just for those that have stuck to listening or want to listen i don't know <laughs> see you will see how the whole <laughs> podcast thing goes but uh what's palermo like
1: Palermo's awesome i've been there for a few years and like this year they're hoping to go in september rather than their normal july because of the covid i i think out get outside the city of the cattle would be a bit Shorter frame, smaller frame cattle. Uh, of course, all grass fed market, which is really hard to compete with you know, with our winters. But um, <clears throat> the cattle that win there, and I'm going to talk in Angus breed. A lot of the pedigrees, I would recognize most of the pedigrees. Now there there is a few lines of Argentine that are very very good cattle. Well, more than a few. There's lots, but a couple that I remember well that were very competitive in the straight Argentine bred cattle, but they're, but they're saw, and I don't know if it's the way they're fed, cause I think they're fed a little bit different than maybe ours too, where there'd be a lot more roughage probably in there. Like barley, there would be very little barley, probably more corn, I believe to what we were feeding when we were there. Yep. I don't know. That'd be a good question to ask someone that's actually been there longer than I have, but the cattle are are soft made. They're mellow. Um, a lot of hair. Actually, they can grow good hair in that country.
0: They look hairy in those champion pictures. They look And they hairy. like
1: that hair. Yeah. And I worked for actually an old Scotchman, Norman Cotto, and he would look after, well, I don't know how many. The one, the one man he, he consults for and has advised all his life has 30,000 cows.
0: Holy, 30,000
1: cows. Yeah, Don Benjamin, there's 30,000 cows on that ranch. Well, I think there's four or five ranches that yeah. can incorporate.
0: That's a heck of a lot of cows.
1: That's a lot of cows. And, and
0: I bet so you he AI's would a have bunch a, of them, holy oh,
1: man. Oh, they would AI lots of bulls. Lot they like the Herefords. We showed more Herefords for him than Angus. The Angus is growing. Uh, the majority of those cows would be in on another ranch in hotter climate, so they'd they'd have some ear on them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Brangus, lots of yep. lots of good Brangus comes out of there as well. So yeah, like cattle are, are good, and I think if anyone gets a chance, get on planets. It's you'll enjoy it. As far the facility is great, and the trade show part is great, but it's all agriculture. Yep. it's maybe it maybe different than. Well, closer to aggravation, I suppose, where you'd see a little machinery, but more, oh, I don't know what you call it, more trade show right. stuff. Like
0: egg vendors almost.
1: Yeah, they're just vendors. Yeah. Not a huge machinery trade show there. But, but it, it's worth the trip. I really do think that. And if you get a chance to get out of the city, it's flat as a table. The whole country's flat. But they can grow. They get a lot of rain. They They can grow feed.
0: That's
1: neat, so guess- and most people speak English. Yeah. I didn't have a no problem anywhere we've gone in the world. People can always revert to English, and if they can't, someone standing beside them can help. Except someone. when
2: we went to Colombia. Except when we went to Colombia and our credit card didn't work. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that would be interesting.
2: Oh, we—it's <laughs> a story, Chris. It's a story. Yeah,
0: for well, part for part two, part two in a live one. <laughs> That was when we
1: learned we should phone the credit card company and tell them we're going to Columbia.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> I remember. Yeah. I remember when I was living in the U S going to school, we had to call in and make sure we were registered for that. Or yeah, I've, I've run into that issue.
2: Well, sometimes our credit card doesn't work. Cause it just doesn't work. Mm. <laughs> but that time it was just because our, uh, Yeah, we hadn't formed the the credit card company.
0: So for, for my last question, just before we get into the final stages, wrapping up a little bit, is it a state secret or how do you go about finding those opportunities to bring people onto your farm, to show them your cow herd, your genetics at work and to build that relationship? The the cattle always speak for themselves, but people still buy from people.
2: Yeah, you're right, Curtis. I'll tell you what the the that's one thing that the shows do a grand service to us. And Lee might want to speak on that further, but we you know, we've said it a thousand times when we're judging or, or when we're showing, you you it's hard to gather people without something. And people are competitive by nature or like to watch competition, either or and and so a show does that for us it it gathers all those people all those operations you can't see that that representation of cattle if you went if you traveled all summer long you wouldn't be able to see that representation of cattle that we see at you know lloydminster edmonton regina toronto um you know any of those big shows you would never see that number of cattle if you tried to if you tried to go all summer long, it would be tough to hit all those places. So you get to see a snippet of everyone's operation. And, and, you know, I I guess that's a big, big thing for us. When we get to those shows, we go to every stall and try to try to go through every breed and see where we might want to, you know, try to get to someone's place from, from looking at their cattle there. So, you know, it, it does a great service to us, those shows, because, Someone gets to see a, a little bit of what what you're you're producing at your place.
0: Bonus question: When are you going to buy back into Herefords? Come on now, come on back <laughs> home to Herefords.
2: Well, it's been
1: tempting the last few years. Yeah, I got it. I've always uh, liked Hereford cattle, but it's uh, <clears throat> if we we have a problem with not enough land base here, mm-hmm. and even to have our Red Angus is an issue this time of year actually well, most of them end up getting bred black but it's uh if we had more land base we would play with more breeds but it's we're a little, just a little tight way we sit and i, I don't see that change in, in the real near future i hope to one day but
2: well we bred our one of our best uh, show <laughs> heifers quite a few years ago hereford not uh by accident <laughs> yeah
0: reaching in the tank accident
2: Yeah, reaching in the tank. (laughs) When we used to run the flush station here, we had all kinds of semen in our tanks. And we've got, I don't know, six tanks or something in our barn. And so reached in for the cane coat and grabbed it and put it in the heifer. And lo and behold, next uh, January, she had a baldy (laughs) calf. So we went back to the tank and the polled herford semen and the angus semen in the same cane had the same code, except one was AN and one was HP. So oh, in yeah. In the same canister. Yeah.
1: Sheepers.
2: So there you go.
1: So, yeah, it could happen pretty quick. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. i well, let you well, know in the spring. Yeah. <laughs> I've enjoyed
2: let's still after calving season. Yeah. The part uh
0: I've enjoyed the little stories about the breeding station, I didn't even know that you had a breeding and flush
1: station that that was something oh, we i just didn't good, know about you lots of good stories and at that time we had <clears throat> most of the embryos were going to australia so we had quite a few limos and gelt um, um Blair.
0: so were you purchasing some premium genetics from those and then doing it yourself uh, we were cu- or were custom- people bringing them to you
1: both
2: yeah. both both yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, and we we weren't probably set up as good as a lot of these places are now.
2: Yeah.
1: But it was good. We learned a lot. With the cows a long time.
0: Yeah. That would that's uh that's why you don't need to go to casinos very often. That's what I tell people on <laughs> cows. I'm like, that's why I don't go to casinos. I need to save all my luck for one one day.
1: Yep.
2: One kick at the cat. Roll the dice every day.
0: Yeah, don't we? But uh, no, again, thank you both so much for coming on. It's, you know, we're, we're in the evening, I'm taking up a bunch of your time, but I I just sure appreciate the conversation. And, you know, you may not feel like it, but you've given just wonderful advice and insight on a lot of different things. And I'm selfishly taking some notes over here and writing down a few things. And I just, I love it. I'm made up with this business and the idea of always getting better. And I sure appreciate your time to come on here and spend with me and also the time, not when we're on the microphone, just visiting. And again, just me with my 21 question approach all the time, but uh, you know, it's something that I greatly appreciate and you know, I just wanted to open it up to you. If you had any final comments or to let all the listeners know, how to contact you, what your preferred way is, if they want to visit with you more about genetics or
1: just ideas about the business. Well, I guess we'd like to just say thanks for having us, Curtis. It's going to be, for me, very interesting to watch this progress and see where your demographic takes you. I guess we're just, this is pretty casual right now. I don't know who we're talking to, but hopefully we've got some interest and I'll definitely be listening to the rest of your podcast and thank you for having us.
2: Yeah, and I'll I'll put a little <laughs> final blurb in to to kids especially um because I know that sometimes you go to the shows and and things don't work out for how you hope that they would. You know, everybody can't win. You know, when I, when I think of my beginnings in particular, you have to look realistically at things and really decide whether you know your, your cattle are as good as you think they are or if it's just not your day. Things can get better. You can stand last at agribish in every class and then someday you can judge there. <laughs> so so you know I sure hope that kids that are just starting out aren't discouraged when things don't go their way because uh, there's, there's lots of times now that we stand you know occasionally stand last in a class and, and deserve to be there still. So um and we've been at it a lot of years
1: that's a great of a show yeah you might be second with the next one or you might win the next one
2: well and the thing is, that that? is there's lots and lots and lots of good cattle so you know you can't uh you, you can't begrudge those cattle that are on top of you because sometimes those are the genetics you need to use yep
0: yeah never never i'll just you know it's okay to want to win but sometimes when you don't you know for the kids out there listening you can go back to your stall and it's okay to have a little bit of hurt feeling and to put a little bit of pout on, but you got two minutes and then get back out there into the real world and learn from that experience again.
2: Oh, you're so right, Chris. And you also have to remember that someday um, you're going to win and you're going to hope that people can be happy for you. So you better damn sure be happy for someone else when they win.
0: Yeah. Cause winning is hard.
2: Winning's really hard. It's hard. It's really hard. But it's
0: a lot of fun. Yeah. No, it is. And again, just <laughs> if you're anyone out there listening that wants to contact Lee and Don, it's Miller or you can find them on Facebook. Don't be shy. As you can tell here, we're the whole purpose is to have a conversation as friends and to pass along some of that insight and I'm just really excited to get this edited and out to people because I know it is going to be received extremely well.
1: Curtis, I got one more final thought for you. I just you know, jotted this down right at the start of our conversation and thinking about past shows and who might have won, who didn't win. It doesn't really matter who won, but what I remember, and I think a lot of people remember, is how you were treated because that that sticks with you. It does.
0: So it's
1: not always it's not always about the show itself. It's about the being there and the business we live in is it's so different than any other business in the world where your, your best competitors are also your best customers
2: and your good friends. And, and good your good friends. friends. <laughs>
0: that's that's what I was exactly going to say. That's, that's exactly right. That's what yeah. sometimes make the victories that much more fun and the second, third and fourth still fun.
2: Absolutely, yeah. yeah, absolutely. in every breed we've we've got so many people we admire in in so many breeds that are so good at what they do, and we admire people that are still trying to get there yeah. because uh we've we've we're always trying to get there
0: <laughs> no, that's perfect, and other than yeah, that well, for me i I don't have any other questions um
1: well, everyone's welcome if they ever coming by our area, stop in. We like and cows or show you whatever we can mm-hmm. thank you curtis for having us we certainly appreciate the opportunity and certainly look forward to seeing how we, this all plays out for you
0: yeah well thank you so much say hi to your family from me and i sure as heck look forward to seeing you down the road here to our listeners thanks again for tuning in to season one episode one of Livestock Podcast. A heartfelt thank you goes out to Lee and Don Wilson for Miller Wilson Angus for being the first ever interview on my podcast. People that, you know, I feel are just true blue good type of people that are willing to discuss so many different things and offer that that knowledge and mentorship that I think goes a long way and In life and like I had said there it's it is a people business and that's exactly what brings this podcast to fruition now in this moment finishing up the recording the people make this business people make the Canadian livestock business what it is and I just hope to keep doing some interviews passing along those uh, to you the listener and I hope you truly enjoyed as much as I have, because that was just so much fun for me. Again, please find us on all social media channels. The handle is at livestock pod. That's the at symbol l i f e s t o c k p o d, livestock pod. Please subscribe where you're finding the podcast, whether that's on iTunes or Spotify or uh, whatever podcatcher that you're using we sure appreciate you listening if you have any comments questions if you'd like to become involved with our podcast please send us a direct message on the social media channels and we sure as heck look forward to speaking with you Uh, that'll be all for me thanks for listening and we'll be talking to you soon